Hi everyone, this is Haley from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. In this episode of Expert Answers, I speak with Daniel Lark, a postdoctoral research fellow at Vanderbilt University working in collaboration with Dr. David Wasserman, who has extensive experience using behavioral analysis together with conventional metabolic phenotyping. We are joined by Dr. John Lighton, author, president, and chief scientist at Sable Systems International. Together, they discuss how to integrate metabolic phenotyping with behavioral paradigms and how to avoid common pitfalls when executing behavioral and metabolic tests. Let's get started. So, John, this question is for you. Do you need to use the behavioral analysis system in conjunction with metabolic measurement? So you asked if the behavioral system is in conjunction with metabolic measurement. Yeah, the two of them occur simultaneously. So pretty much you have synchronized behavior and metabolic information. However, you can have the system for behavior without doing the metabolic analysis at all, if you wish. And so if the metabolic information, the energy expenditure is not of interest for the research questions you're asking, you can simply uh, just get the system without the, uh, without the metabolic measurement, which means it's a good deal simpler to operate Excellent. and a lot less expensive. Right. And another question, can you export the data from the system using other behavioral analysis programs? You can certainly export data from the system to other behavior analysis programs. So all of the information in the system, raw or processed, can be exported as uh, CSV files. Uh, You can send given sections straight to Excel if you wish and so on. And so any programs that can cope with uh, CSV files and raw data should be able to be used with it. We also have R and Python utilities to read our data files directly into R or Python. Okay. And Dan, a couple of questions for you. Can you detect the acute contribution of voluntarily voluntary wheel running to energy expenditure like you showed for off-wheel activity? So the answer is uh, absolutely yes. That's actually the easier one uh, to measure. And people have already shown uh, previously that you can detect the contribution of wheel running to total daily energy expenditure. But yes, we can do the same thing that I showed with off-wheel activity, these five-minute increments. We actually see the same thing with wheel running. And in fact, some of the data that I didn't show is that the efficiency of wheel running, so the uh, energy expenditure per meter traveled, is actually a pretty strong predictor of overall distance. And not only can we do that, but you can also start digging into relationships between the, and again, the behavior and the energy expenditure during uh, wheel running, just like we did for off-wheel activity. Excellent. And does the change in energy expenditure correlate with the amount of voluntarily voluntary wheel running performed? Yes, it absolutely does. So this is uh, something that, has been another elusive thing in the literature. And so there are a number of studies that have shown that, like I just mentioned, that wheel running can increase energy expenditure, daily energy expenditure. But to my knowledge, the only studies that have been able to show a linear relationship between the distance traveled and the energy expenditure increase has been from Sable Promethean studies. So I don't know of any other instrument system that has been able to show that. Okay. And a couple of questions from um, the audience have just come in. Claus asked, how high or what is the maximum flow rate of the system? John, could you answer that question? Okay. If we're dealing with mice, 
the default flow rate is uh, two liters per minute. So that's about uh, five times higher than the conventional systems. And um, you can easily increase that for mice to uh, three or four liters a minute, if you wish. There'll be a slight reduction in terms of uh, the delta. There'll be, of course, corresponding reduction in the delta O2, delta CO2. But we have enough resolution to manage that without any particular problem. So the maximum flow rate of the system is around, depending on the particular system, would be four or five liters a minute. And so obviously the higher flow rates are used for rats mostly. But if you really want to get a very um, fast time constant, you can certainly increase the flow rate above two liters per minute for mice. Okay. And a question from Bin. Is there any detriment to an experiment if one of the cages for some reason becomes compromised? I'm not quite sure what compromise means in this particular case. So, um, For example, if it became broken. Well, if the cage breaks, you, <laughs> you have some problems, definitely. Now, obviously, the cage is not completely sealed. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if the seal is slightly broken in general, that's not going to have a very significant effect because we are pulling from the bottom of the cage at a fairly high flow rate. But it depends, again, on the nature of the compromise. We have a lot of people who do uh, things, for example, they will take a mouse out of the cage briefly, inject it, and put it back into the cage. And in our experience, that has minimal effects in terms of you know down, downstream disruptions of metabolic information. Obviously, there's a short-term one. But within you know three or four minutes, basically, you're back to the pretty much where you were before. Okay. So just to add on to that really quick, John, I think you can probably speak to this obviously better than I can, but the mon- the real-time monitoring of the system is really quite an advantage in that you can detect problems. So say a mass sensor isn't working, you can detect that. And I think you mentioned that you're developing some online app type stuff to, to deal with that as well, right? Yeah, exactly. In fact, the the latest version of, of the Prometheon system is uh, web-enabled, and you can use it on an intranet or even uh, with suitable proportions on the internet. You can control the system. You can download uh, full raw data or you know, process data from the system. There's a background real-time analysis kernel, which does a really good job of analyzing the raw data in real time as well. And you can get graphical output from that onto a desktop or laptop or phone or whatever you wish. Okay. And a question from Ashley. Can you restrict food during certain times with this system? Absolutely. Yeah, no problem at all. You can restrict food based on times. You can restrict food based on the amount that the animal is allowed to eat. You can do paired feeding. You can do yoked feeding, all of the usual paradigms. And if you come up with a paradigm we don't already support, just let us know and we'll be sure that it becomes supported in the future. Javier has asked, is it possible to house several animals in a behavior measuring Prometheon and use some type of RFID readers to detect activity from the different animals? You can certainly do that. I mean, obviously, if you do the metabolic information, you will be getting the overall metabolic rate of all of the animals combined. So you can't really distinguish them. We are actively developing RFID at the moment, and we actually have a major RFID system which is going to be delivered fairly soon. And there'll be more information on RFID and multiple animal housing and behavior information within, I would say, by the end of quarter one of next year, we'll have a lot to show.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work, offer tips, tricks, and best practices, but most of all, share science. Don't forget to subscribe.